Oh, a lot to talk about today. Bullpen madness. Chris Davinsky got a save. Bud Norris got a save. Kenley Jansen did not get a save. He blew his second save of the season already more than what he did last year when he had just one blown save. We've got Shohei Otani and the blisters. we got Giancarlo Stanton and the strikeouts. We have Adam Azer and the Chris Towers. What's up, Chris? Hey. Hey. Is that our band name, Adam Azer and the Chris Towers? <laughs> Uh, we're, you know, Shohei Otani and the Blister sounds like a team name. It does, like a, like a band name. And Giancarlo strikeout and the Giancarlo Stanton and the strike. Ooh, Giancarlo strikeout. Unintentional. Oh, got him. <laughs> That's what the pitchers are saying when they face Giancarlo Stanton. Boom. Hey now. Uh, also, hey, I, uh, uh, uh. I'm gonna take my Johnny Cueto medicine, and <laughs> a lot of people are taking some Masahiro Tanaka medicine. He was terrible. He got Tanaka around <laughs> by the Marlins. This is going to be a spirited show, Chris, and it's just me and you, so let's bring it. It's just the two of us building castles in the sky. And that's not a good song. All right, let's start with the bullpen. Other stuff that we'll talk about today. Firsts for some players, like uh, what did Yoan Moncada do for the first time in his career? What did Robinson Cano do for the first time? Scott Kingery, all that stuff. Uh, we got actually so much, so... Let's start with um, the bullpen and Chris Davinsky. 39% owned, got the save. Your take on the Astros closers. I, I would guess he is the closer for the time being. Um, you know, the, I guess the one thing I want to see is what part of the lineup was up. Because that might be a situation where they're more willing to use him in the ninth inning when the best part of the lineup is up. But I, I, I don't know. Do you know? No, I'll check right now. This, this will not take long. In fact, I bet if you count to five, I will have the answer for you. Go ahead. One, two, three. He faced D. Gordon, Gene Segura, and Robinson Cano. One, two, three. I don't know that it matters, though. He's got the last two saves for the Astros. In between those two saves, Davinsky did pitch in a non-save situation. And they, you know, I don't know. A.J. Hinch said he was going to work Ken Giles in. Maybe Giles will get the next one. But Yeah, that's my thought, is that, like, the next time that the – six, seven, eight hitters in the lineup are up, then maybe you see Ken Giles get the save, try to work him back in uh, in a little bit less of a stressful situation and see if he can take that job back. All right, so Davinsky's 39% owned. Is there anyone that you want to own in the Dodgers bullpen? As Kenley Jansen. <laughs> I'm just wondering if there's a DL stint coming, like with Chapman last year. Maybe, but... I it, unless there unless there is a DL stint, I think they're just gonna let him, you know, maybe keep failing. Uh, he's the kind of guy who has earned a lot of leash, and I think they're gonna give it to him. So I wouldn't be speculating for saves in the bullpen that features, you know, the most accomplished decorated closer in baseball. Okay, Pedro Baez, and if you do want to speculate for saves, which you don't have to do, Pedro Baez and. Uh, Josh Fields would be the speculative ads. I don't really know which way they would go. I, I'm thinking Baez, but I think a lot of people would say Fields, so it's a talk. Yeah, I don't really have a, a sense on that one. I, I've got to be honest, I haven't really considered the possibility of I have closer in, in Los Angeles. Just, But the, the way I look at it is that feels like such a long shot that unless you're talking about like a 24-team Roto League, I just don't see much reason to speculate on saves there. Well, you're not, you don't seem that concerned about Jansen. 
I'm moderately concerned. I just don't think they're going to pull. I think it's going to take a long time before they consider pulling him from the ro- the the role. Uh, yeah, completely agree. Um, all right, so would you take anyone other than Kimbrell over Kenley Jansen? Uh, not at this point. I would need to see more. Like Edwin Diaz, I think has is starting to push himself into that conversation. But we've also seen stretches like this before from him. We don't have. You know, Kimbrell, Chapman, and Jansen are the three guys who have the track record of doing it. And it's going to take a lot more than two and a half weeks to change that. All right, Bud Norris got the save for the Cardinals. And Mike Matheny says that Greg Holland, who gave up a two-run homer, did not record an out yesterday, and he pitched in the eighth inning, uh, that he is going through, quote, a spring training phase, end quote. Mm. And it makes sense. I mean, but seven walks, one strikeout in two and a third. He's got an 1157 ERA. This is Greg Holland, who's 82% owned. Bud Norris is 24% owned. If you were going to pick up Davinsky, 39%, or Bud Norris, 24%. By the way, Bud Norris, one walk, 17 strikeouts in nine and a third. And he has stranded all ten runners he's inherited. Um, who would you pick up, Davinsky or Bud Norris? Um, I would probably pick up Norris for the... I think he's more likely to get saves in the short term, but Davinsky, I think, is a better pitcher. So if you need one to be on your roster for longer than a week or two, which I think is probably the extent to which either of them is going to be in the closer's role, Davinsky's the guy. He's he's the guy who can help you a lot, uh, even when he's not a closer. So you're still thinking that Greg Holland get becomes the clo- writes the ship and becomes the closer? Yeah, I, I think they're going to give him the opportunity to. Whether he writes the ship, I don't know. Like He was really good last year. We'll see. Josh Hader got a two-out save. That is his second two-out save in his last two appearances. Two-inning save? (laughs) Thank you. Two-inning save. That is his second two-inning save in his last two appearances. 68% owned Josh Hader. I am a hater of the the Brewers bullpen. I don't know why they didn't go to Albers for the ninth here. That would be another one where I would guess that a uh, a part of the lineup where they want Josh Hader to be facing uh, happened to come up, but I'm not. Uh, let's see, Duvall, Jeanette, Barnhart, Peraza. <laughs> You're talking about the Reds lineup. Yeah, I don't. Well, know. I mean, they they brought him in to face the top of the lineup, um, and just kept him in for the ninth inning. So he pitched the eighth against Hamilton, Winker, and Votto. And that's obviously two lefties. Um, did I yeah. say? Did I say? I don't know why they brought in why they didn't bring in Baez. I, if I did, I meant to you say said Albers. Albers. Okay, good. Albers hasn't pitched uh, since Sunday, I believe. Yes, Sunday. He he could have pitched. He struggled in that game. He's struggled in two of his last three, sort of. Although it's not really true because remember he had that blown save against the Cardinals, but it was like yeah. two infield hits and whatever. Um, I don't know. I'm surprised. But I guess that's the way it's going to be for a little while. Scott had mentioned that Craig Council wants to stick with one guy. And you are like you are gonna seem to get a lot of saves from this bullpen, at least while Knable's out. Yeah, and I just think they probably view Hater as too valuable in that multi inning role. Just like you yeah. know just like the Astros. Like they would rather have Davensky with the flexibility to not have to wait until the ninth inning to use him. And with the Brewers wanting someone who will pitch the ninth, I would just guess it's not going to be Josh Hader. He'll get the occasional save, um, and he's worth owning 
just because he's really good. Yeah. Okay, and finishing off the bullpen madness, Brad Ziegler, another bad outing. He's got an 8.22 ERA. It was a, a non-save opportunity. But uh, what do you think? Kyle Bearclaw maybe could take over? Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Bearclaw's not had the greatest start of his own. I think your second rider's been better so far this season, but this is probably another situation where the Marlins, the ideal situation for the Marlins is that Brad Ziegler serves as the closer for a couple of months and then they trade him for whatever C minus prospect they can get. I don't think there's not a lot of reason for them to go to Kyle Bearclaw. Given that circumstance, we had three pitchers, three closers who pitched in a non-save situation. Uh, Bra- no, Joachim Soria. Well, I don't know who they, both guys pitched in a non-save situation, <laughs> but Soria pitched in the sixth. He hadn't pitched in eight days. Nate Jones pitched in the eighth. He hadn't pitched in six days. Uh, Brad Brock pitched in the seventh for some reason. He hadn't pitched in six days, Brad Brock. And Hector Neris pitched in the ninth, facing nine, one, two, and three. In the uh, Braves order, I think that was a, a matchups thing because he pitched yeah. in a tie game on the road, and then Drew Hutchison pitched the tenth and got the same. So I don't think no, there's anything there in the Phillies bullpen, probably not in the Orioles bullpen. Uh, but you know, is, do you think Jones is better to own than Soria? I think I I just think he's the better pitcher. So yeah, but I need given, saves. I given need that saves, we don't know Chris. who the role is, what I need saves. Well, but that's that's what I'm saying. All Given right. that we don't know who the ninth inning guy is, I'll just default to the better pitcher and hope that he gets it. All know? right. Makes sense to me. The big news. Shohei Otani, two innings, four hits, three runs, two walks, and a strikeout against the Red Sox, and he has been dealing with blisters. So what does that mean, do you think, for his for Shohei Otani's value? He apparently has dealt with blisters in the past in Japan. Um but we saw blisters completely derail Johnny Cueto and Aaron Sanchez last year. What do you think right now? What's your reaction to this bad start from Shohei Otani? Uh, can he pitch with batting gloves? <laughs> he can't. I mean, uh, uh, can my actual reaction blisters. is that the baseball is different, and that could be contributing to it. The baseball that they use in Japan is different than the one they use in in the majors. I think the one in Japan is a little smaller. I think is the uh, the generally accepted consensus on the differences. Um, but we know the the new, the baseball in the majors has lower seams than it did in recent years. It's a little bit smaller, um, so there could be issues with that. But I'm not. I don't think there's anything actionable here. All right. Um, okay. So just a bad start for him, and he will be able to hit. That's the good news, and hopefully be back out there in about in about a week or a little less. Uh, Taiwan Walker has a UCL injury. He's going to get a second opinion. Giancarlo Stanton may be moved down in the order, Chris. He is, Giancarlo Stanton is three for 35 with 20 strikeouts at home. According to the Elias Sports Bureau via ESPN, that is the most strikeouts in a hitter's first eight home games in modern MLB history, which began in 1900. 20 strikeouts, three for 35 in eight home games. Ew. Uh, that's through. Not, not a true Yankee. No, he's not. Through 16 games, he has a 702 OPS. Last year, through 14 games, Stanton had a 715 OPS, barely better. Lower strikeout rate, but he was awful, and then he was great. So what are your expectations for Stanton going forward? Uh, he needs to get on the phone with Scott Brocious and learn how to be a true Yankee. Um, I, my expectations a, are Giancarlo Stanton's going to be awesome. He's such a weasel. What a weasel what? thing to say. What? Just hating on the Yankees. What? Who's the, ha- no, I, he, 
he's obviously not equipped to live up to the greatness of the Yankee legend. He's just, you know, not everybody's born in pinstripes, Adam. And now I know what it's like to, uh, to be a Marlins fan. I'm just saying, if you want, if you want, there's still time. You can get a refund. <laughs> he's such a Marlins fan. Uh, Ronald. No, Acuna. he's fine. He's fine. It's Giancarlo Stan. We've seen this before. He's going to strike out sometimes. Yeah. Like, I, I guess it's a little disappointing because we thought he turned a corner on that regard last season when he lowered his strikeout rate. Um, but I'm not, I, I just, I can't find the energy to be concerned about a guy with the kind of track record that Giancarlo Stan is. If he sprains his ankle or, or, or strains his groin tomorrow, that's hey, the concern with Giancarlo it. Stan. But the production, no. Okay. Uh, Ronald Acuna did hit a home run yesterday, but he apparently is pressing in AAA. He wants to get called up, and they're in no hurry, as I mentioned yesterday, because Preston Tucker's hitting well. But we will see Acuna hopefully sooner rather than later, hopefully within a week. Uh, Miguel Cabrera left with back stiffness. It was cold. They were being a little precautionary, but this is now the second time that Miguel Cabrera has left the game with a you know precautionary exit for an injury. So it's, it really has not been a good start for him at all, for Miggy. Um and I don't then, think there's anything, any kind of precautionary back injuries when you're 36 years old. Yeah, it just, it's not feeling great right now. And then, um, something I wanted to mention, cause last Thursday, Heath and Scott said that Carlos Santana and Matt Carpenter were their buy low candidates. And let's look at what they're doing so far. Santana's hitting 136 and Carpenter's hitting 145, 185. They each have two home runs and yet, Santana is the number 11 first baseman in points leagues, and Carpenter is the number 16 first baseman in points leagues, but barely behind Santana at number 11. It's very bunchy. Um, and that's because of plate discipline. 11 walks, 12 strikeouts for Santana. 15 walks, 21 strikeouts for Carpenter. 21 strikeouts is actually a lot, but they yep. do walk a ton. But really, if you're buying low on them, you know, it's very obvious in a points league, in a categories league, Santana and Carpenter. 10-team categories league? I don't even know if they're must-owns, Chris. In 10, yeah, they, they need to be owned in 10-team categories leagues, but they're must-own in 12-team. They're, they're probably must-start in 12-team. And, you know, not to be too reductive, but I think there, there are two numbers that are worth looking at here. And for Carlos Santana, it's a 125 BABIP, which, uh, that's low. <laughs> That's about, I mean, he's a low Babbitt guy, but that's still probably half of what you would expect. And then Matt Carpenter, it was 274 last season, 242 this season, but he's 320 for his career. He's hitting a lot of line drives. He actually is, uh, the batted ball profile has shifted back a little bit to where it was when he was racking up good batting averages as well as the, the plate discipline and power. So I'm actually not concerned at all about either of these guys. All right, that's uh, Carlos Santana and Matt Carpenter and Santana, a very frequent slow starter. Uh, here's an email I'd like to read. It's from Evan. Evan said, but before I do this, Chris, I, I need you to take a look, like peek through the rest of the email and tell, you, tell me if you think. Uh, I, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm I not sure. I'm going to avoid, uh, it. Gonna avoid it, it. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I'm going to play it safe. We've got uh, kind of a curse word in here, but. Uh, I was in New York this weekend. I went to my first game at City Field. I used the SeatGeek promo code and got 20 bucks off a great seat in left field. Mets fans are amazing. Braun caught the third out and tossed the ball into the stands, and the fans threw it back 
and they started chanting expletive at Braun. Anyway, thanks for the great deal. And thank you, Evan, for using SeatGeek. Evan also says Jerry Maguire is not a sports movie, and Team Name Tuesday on a Wednesday, Snell my finger. Uh, very classy, and you're right about uh, you're right about Jerry Maguire. But no, uh, you're also right about SeatGeek. SeatGeek's awesome. Take Evan's advice and use SeatGeek and save twenty dollars on your first SeatGeek purchase when you use our promo code Fantasy. Download the SeatGeek app, or you can go to SeatGeek.com. But the best way to do it is download the app, and within just a few taps, you can get to any game, any concert, uh, any comedy show, theater, whatever it is, on SeatGeek, and you use the promo code Fantasy. To save 20 bucks, you'll save time, you'll save money. This is what I use all the time. This is what Evan used and other listeners of ours are using it always, using SeatGeek. Uh, so again, download the SeatGeek app and use the promo code FANTASY to, to get 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. And now it's time for standouts. Mookie Betts hit three home runs. I believe this is his third three-homer game of his career, which is amazing. Uh, hmm. He is now the number two hitter in fantasy. Behind Bryce Harper, I don't know that there's much to say about Mookie Betts, but he's batting 389 with five homers, two steals, ten walks, and six strikeouts, and seven doubles in 15 games. Yeah, there there really isn't anything not, to no, say. He, he's he's awesome. I don't know if you guys have heard uh, Mookie Betts, very good baseball player. I do like how the the elite hitters have so far been pretty damn good. You know, he got some exceptions. Arenado's been good. He hasn't been great yet. And he's been suspended for four or five games. Joey Votto's obviously been really bad, but Trout's been great. Harper's been great. Trey Turner's got eight steals, and I know he's not hitting great, but he's still got eight steals. Yeah, even if Blackman, he doesn't hit, if he, if he keeps running like this, it's not going to matter. Right, right. Blackman's uh, been awesome, and Betts has been awesome. So the hitters And so Mookie far. Betts was an obvious regression candidate. Like He had like a 260 Babbitt last season. He's really, really good. Totally. All right, let's talk about two pitchers that squared off last night. Who would you rather have rest of season, Patrick Corbin or Johnny Cueto? Hmm. I, I would rather, rather than answer that, I would rather you just have to reckon with your Johnny Cueto takes. Yeah, that would sure. get me out of uh, of having to answer a question that I don't feel comfortable answering yet. Well, I'm going to say uh, I I traded Cueto a few days ago, and I traded him for Adam Eaton. And I still think that's a fair trade, you know. Um, I don't think I sold low on him. I think I got a very good return in a five outfielder league. Cueto had his best start by far. He had 15 swinging strikes. He had 11 strikeouts. He now has 16 strikeouts in 20 innings. Before this, he had five strikeouts in 13 innings through two starts. Cueto's 1-0 with a .45 ERA, two walks, 16 strikeouts in 20 innings. Seven scoreless uh, on two hits, no walks, and 11 strikeouts at Arizona. And it didn't matter. Humidor, he could have played this game at Coors Field. He was incredible. Uh, <laughs> but he does have velocity issues, big-time velocity issues, and he's a different pitcher. He's really a finesse pitcher. I watched almost the entire game, especially the Cueto pitches, not quite as much of Corbin. It was like a two-hour, ten-minute game, which was beautiful. Um, you know, he's just – if he can get by with this, then great. But if you were saying yesterday that you're worried that Joey Lucchese – could get figured out. Like Johnny Cueto is basically a junk baller now. He throw he's but pitching off his changeup. But that's the thing with Johnny Cueto is that he's he used to throw harder. Uh, he used to have very good velocity. He, yeah, he's Felix Hernandez right now. But he the the one thing that makes him that has always made him such an interesting pitcher. One thing that's always made him a guy who pitches probably better than 
you expect him to pitch. And really last year was the one exception. He, he consistently outperformed his peripherals for, you know, almost a decade. And a big part of that is he's just, he's not deceptive in the way that Alex Wood and Joey Lucchese are where he hides the ball really well, but all of his pitches look the same and they all move differently. So yeah. you've got a really narrow velocity band. He throws his fastball 90, 91 now. Uh, you know, he can get it up to 93, 94 occasionally, but he's mostly working low 90s. But then the slider's 84 miles an hour. The, the changeup's 83. And then you have to react to, you know, he throws all those pitches pretty evenly in terms of his usage. They all look the same coming out of his hand. They all, it, it's really just the movement at the end. I just, I think he's going to be a guy who ages really well. I'm not, I'm not that worried about the lower velocity. I, he's not, he's not an ace anymore, but I'm not worried about him being good. All right. Well, I, I think, I think that if you could trade him for Darvish, to me, it's a no brainer. Sure. Yeah. Um, did, was I too low on him? Maybe, but I still, <laughs> you know, look, last year I said there were two by low candidates that I, I really was felt strongly about. And for a little while, they really made me look bad because they kept on hitting. And they're more obvious than Cueto is, but they they were Corey Dickerson and Jake Lamb. And I saw some things in both of them that I just I thought weren't going to last. I, I think specifically for Dickerson, uh, I think he was hitting lefties very well at the beginning of the year, and he had never done that before. And those two guys had really bad second halves, mm-hmm. as I recall. At least Dickerson had really bad. Lamb, like, not that good. So yeah. it took a while. Bylows don't always become by low, or sell highs rather don't always become sell highs the next start or the next day or whatever. Uh, I'm still concerned about Cueto. I really am. I just think he has diminished stuff. And, um, I don't know, you know, I, I was shocked at what he did last night. It was really, really impressive. But honestly, like, Felix Hernandez was pretty damn good his last time out. Uh, I'm not saying they're the same, <laughs> but I see similar trends. Yeah, I, I guess the difference for me between him and Felix Hernandez is Johnny Cueto has never really had to be a big strikeout guy. He had the one, uh, the one 240 strikeout season with the Reds in 2014. But, you know, other than that, he's been, he's been a guy who, you know, doesn't rack up huge strikeout numbers. And that's why I like the, the question between him and Patrick Corbin is really interesting. Uh, just because Patrick Corbin looks like, you know, what we want Lance McCullers or Robbie Ray to be right now. But I just, I think Johnny Cueto is still going to be pretty good. I, I, well, I don't okay, think he's so going to be an who ace. Do you want? Who do you want, Corbin or Cueto? Corbin, Corbin. nearly hit through a no-hitter last night, complete game Corbin. one hitter. Yeah, I mean, the, the strikeout numbers are ridiculous. He feel he he seems to be really comfortable with his slider right now, and it's it's just a devastating pitch. Yeah, and... He's always been a ground like here's the, I guess the one thing that really stands out with Corbin on the on the he's going to regress side and he's obviously going to regress. Uh he's got a 165 ERA. He's the number 1 pitcher in points, number 2 in roto. He's a ground ball pitcher and his BABIP his last 3 seasons very consistent. 329, 326, 329. Right now it's 218 and he's getting I think even more ground balls. Uh so that, you know, some of those are going to start finding holes. Whip is Whip is my big concern with him. Uh, but so far so good with Corbin. I mean, he looks like he's, he looks like he's the, the breakout pitcher of the year. Right? Yeah. And the, and, you know, it's not just like he's, he's just throwing the same arsenal he always has. He's throwing that slider a lot more. It's always been his best pitch. And, uh, you know, 
it turns out throwing your best pitch more is a is a good plan. He's throwing his slider like he did toward the end of last year when he finished very strong. So and he wasn't that bad last year. Like the overall numbers were bad uh, or mediocre, but it was basically just he was awful in May. So we'll see if he can get through that. But you know, beyond that, I think he had an ERA under three five like every other month except la- the except May. Yeah. So Patrick Corbin, very exciting. All right, now I'll throw another one at you. How would you rank these three? Patrick Corbin, Johnny Cueto, Masahiro Tanaka. Masahiro Tanaka, Patrick Corbin, Johnny Cueto. You really uh, will not quit Masahiro Tanaka. I mean, I liked him coming into the season, and he's doing exactly what he did last season. So why would my opinion change? Because he wasn't very good last season. Oh, not fair. No, he, I, he wasn't even a top 30 pitcher. Yeah, no, I mean, that that's that's technically true. But, like, he was good. He See, was really is... bad early. He was really bad early on. Uh-huh. But, you know, the, the final three or four months of the season, he was really good, and it just... After the first two months of the season, we kept saying, it's gonna be fine. The peripherals are good. He can't keep allowing home runs at that rate. And it's it's continuing to happen. Yeah, it is. I'm... That's I'm a little issue. bit concerned that that's continuing to happen, but not enough that I'm going to drop him. Not enough like the strikeouts are still there, the the control is still good, the swinging strikes are still there. The, I still like the I still like his approach. Uh, you know, the not relying on his fastball, relying on the splitter and the slider. I don't like more. that approach. Like he needs to have a fastball. Tanaka's got one of the worst fastballs in baseball, apparently, based on the way it gets hit. And right. So why does he need it? Because you can't just throw all off-speed pitches the whole time. Like you got to have some velocity. Why? He throws it what twenty percent of the time. Yeah. Because how many pitchers are successful without throwing a fastball, without having a good fastball? This is not a recipe for success. And and I think the issue with Tanaka is like he just has a lot of terrible starts. He he has yeah. great starts and great peripherals. It's just the home runs. And I wonder if the fact that he doesn't seem to have a very good fastball is harming him. I'm, I'm kind of on your side. Like, I do want to believe in Tanaka because there are too many, like, great starts, uh, that, that inspire you. But you do wonder if the, the really bad starts, and last year he had six starts of six or more earned runs, and yeah. two more of five or more earned runs. You do wonder, is that just a fluke? Or is that who he is? I, I just, I think it's probably something you have to live with. I think it'll happen from time to time. He, he'll probably, st- continue to give up home runs that's probably a result of his uh his breaking ball heavy approach but i think the the rest of what he does is so good that i'll live with that especially in a head-to-head points league uh in roto he, he's <laughs> i have a lot of master here at tanaka he's kind of screwing me over right now but in a head-to-head league especially either categories or points i think he's the kind of pitcher where you just live with the bad starts. It might, it's a little m- more difficult in Roto, but head to head points and, and categories, just ride it. All right. So that's Tanaka, who you're taking first ahead of Corbin and then ahead of Cueto. Uh, all right. Uh, let's, uh, let's play a game called Welcome Back. Welcome back, JT Ray Amuto. You hit a home run, a three run homer off Tanaka yesterday. Last year, you were the number three catcher in points leagues and number five in Roto. Eh, yeah, you know, you don't really inspire me, but maybe other people. Uh, and you're much better away from home. So last year you hit 227 at home and 317 on the road, and you hit 12 of your 17 home runs on the road. And in 2016, you hit 250 at home and 352 on the road. In fact, 
Forget about Christian Yelich. JT Realmuto, you were the biggest victim of Marlins Park <laughs> last year. And you might get traded, which would be great. So my question to you, Chris Towers, is do you like JT Realmuto or Yasmani Grandal better? Realmuto. Really? I, I like Yasmani Grandal a lot, but I like J- JT Realmuto more. Um, he's not a superstar. But he's very good. It last night's homer was it was a Didi Gregorius homer, I guess. But it was an Oppo shot. Yeah, but that's you know it's a it's a double, twelve feet in front of the wall in most other parks. I don't know about twelve feet. How, look feet. Up, how many feet? I'm gonna guess three seventy five. Uh, let's see. Throw out a guess. Throw out a guess. Three sixty five. That's what it was, or that's your guess. No, that's my guess. Okay, it was 378. Oh! Way to go. Closest without going over, Azerwids. All right, JT Rabuto, welcome back. Uh, let's play a new game. It's called, well, it's about time. Yoan Moncada stole a base in two straight games now. It's happening. For the first time in his career. It's happening? <laughs> it's happening. I picked him up. Someone dropped him in my Roto League. I picked him up. It's happening. All right. I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's happening. I'm very frustrated with him. The strikeouts continue to be an issue, but if he runs, he was, he was running, you know, he was stealing 65 bases per 150 games in the minors. So that's, it's just inexplicable that he hasn't been running. I, and that's as, as our good friend Scott White says, it's about desire. Yes, it is. And I, I also desire more stolen bases from Yoan Moncada. By the way, was I the only person when Chris said it's happening? That thought of Janos in Ghostbusters 2 going like, it's happening. It's really happening. I was the only one, right? Uh, that's not what I was thinking of, no. <laughs> okay, I think that's what he says. Uh, hey, it's about time. Robinson Cano homered. His oh. first home run of the year. He is the number 11 second baseman in both points and roto. Cano is batting 333 with a home run. And he seems like another guy kind of in the Carpenter-Santana uh, mold that's going to be better in points leagues. He still has good discipline. Now, last year, Cano, good play discipline. <laughs> Other Life discipline, no. He's very messy and uh, eats whatever he wants. Now, uh, Cano hit t- 23 home runs. Not a lot last year. And he only hit six after the All-Star break. So first home run of the year for Robinson Cano. Well, it's about time, Chris. It is about time, and I, I don't think he's going to be a big power threat, but he's still a, he's still a good player. All right, so Cano or Albies? Uh, I have more of Albies on my various teams. Is that a good way to weasel out of answering the what question? We, come on, you gotta you gotta step it up today. I don't have rankings. You you, could, you gotta get those other guys if you want the rankings. I'm just here for the takes. <laughs> uh, I will take Ozzy Albies over Robinson Cano. If somebody offered me Robinson Cano for my Ozzy Obby, Albies right now, I would say no. How about Whit Merrifield or Robinson Cano? Ro- uh, Robinson Cano and points, Merrifield and Rota. Okay, I like it. Good That's take. the weasel answer. Wilson Ramos homered. Well, it's about time Wilson Ramos homered. He's now batting two twenty with a home run, but he's red hot in his last two games. Wilson Ramos is four for nine with a home run, three RBIs, and a double. <laughs> and a double. Uh, this guy, though, people were losing patience with Ramos. He's 84% owned. Are you losing patience with Ramos? No. Like, what, you have you have two better catchers on your team than Wilson Ramos? Come on. Get out of here. Catcher sucks. Catcher's terrible. Yeah, 
so he's bad. he's going to be a top 12 catcher by the end of the season. I'm not worried about it. Scott Kingery. Well, it's about time you're shortstop eligible, Scott Kingery. And he is uh, the number eight shortstop in points, number six in Roto right now, with a two fifty five batting average, two home runs, three steals. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah, what do you think? Like, the overall numbers look pretty disappointing, actually, mm-hmm. given given how much hype there was. But then... You know the twelve RBI, the nine runs. That's that's really nice. And then I don't know. He's he's going to be quadruple eligible, I believe. After he needs one more appearance in the outfield and one more at third base to be quadruple eligible. So he's going to be worth starting somewhere. Scott Kingery, would you rather have Kingery or Cozart? Uh, I think Cozart's the better player. So you'd rather have Cozart? Yes. All right. Uh, and, well, it's about time Miguel Andujar hit his first career home run. Andujar. Uh, Miguel Andujar has gone 6-for-12 with a home run and four doubles and no strikeouts. This is – this deserves the sizzling sound. Uh, it's kind of interesting. First of all, it's not great for Glaber Torres. And um, – or maybe it's not great for Neil Walker or something. But, yeah, Andujar, 6-for-12 with a home run and four doubles and one walk, no strikeouts in his last three games. A good-hitting prospect, 38% owned. What do you think about Miguel Andujar? He's a weird he's a weird prospect to judge for fantasy and because he, he is a prospect, and he's a pretty good one uh, based on the, the prospect rankings. But even in his big breakout season, he plays 125 games between AA and AAA last season. Hits 315, that's really good. Doesn't strike out much, but 16 homers, five stolen bases, doesn't walk. He's just, like, what does he do for fantasy in the best case scenario? You know, that's, that's the question that I've had with him, uh, you know, since his prospect breakout last season is I'm just not sure what the fantasy relevant version or the, the very good fantasy player version of Miguel Andahar looks like. Um, so that's my that's my question, even with him starting to heat up, is I just don't know how high the upside is. I'm not running out to grab him. All right, and Duhar, 38% on that. That feels about right. I got to tell you, man, I'm enjoying the draft app so much that I did a draft with the listeners. I drafted it in the afternoon, and uh, I did another one for just the night slate, and I lost them both. So, again, the best part about the draft app is that you get to take my money. If you follow me and I play for a dollar every day, uh, follow me, Big Kane Two, on the draft app. I don't care if I'm losing. I came in second in the listener one, the, the big, the main slate yesterday, so I was close. I had Tanaka; he really screwed me. But um, yeah, look, it's great. It's really fun, and you should download the draft app right now, and you should use the promo code FB today. If you haven't played daily fantasy sports, basketball, baseball, football, whatever, it's really fun. And there are salary cap sites, but this one's even better. Because you get to do snake drafts. The best part of fantasy, you get to do it every single day, and you just get to play more fantasy baseball. So what could be wrong with that? And you also get to win some cold, hard cash and get paid out the next day. The promo code to use when you download the draft app and make your first deposit is FB today, like fantasy baseball today. You will get a free entry into a real money draft. Uh, use the promo code FB today. A real money game for free with that code. FB today when you make your first deposit on the draft app. Check it out, everybody. I'll send out another contest invite today. All right, here's our email of the day from John. He used the word doofus in this email, and I thought that was really great. So 
John <laughs> says at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com, I was wondering if you guys could help me settle a debate ongoing in my league. I participate in a 7 by 7 head-to-head categories league, and some of the members believe that pitchers are inherently less valuable than hitters. Not because of injury risk, but simply because pitchers only pitch once every five days. Can you explain to them, can you explain to these doofuses that category production is relative and that a pitcher who contributes to five categories is just as valuable as a hitter who contributes to five categories, regardless of how often they start a week? Because there's no pitcher who can start five times a week. If anything, because a starter can only tribute once every five days, his start could be, could be said to be even more valuable. All these doofuses, it's my word there, listen to the show, so it would be nice for them to hear some sound logic that could help me make more trades. Chris, are these doofuses right or wrong? Uh, what do you think? Are pitchers just as valuable as hitters? Uh, I think that depends on the format. In this specific one, where it's seven by seven head-to-head categories, and he says pitcher who contributes in five categories versus a hitter who contributes in five categories, if there are the same amount of categories that a pitcher and a hitter can contribute in, then yeah, they're they're probably roughly as valuable. They are, of course, they are. But in a traditional roto league, starting pitchers only contribute in four categories, whereas the best hitters contribute in five. So I think that's where you start to see those gaps, and and you know it might, I guess, the top four, you know, if those guys all hit, they can they can be as valuable as the best hitters. But in Roto, the best hitters, generally speaking, will be more valuable than the vast majority of starting pitchers. Uh, in head-to-head points, I think we all came to the conclusion this offseason that, uh, that starting pitching can't be really overvalued in that format. In points? Yes. I mean, I, it might, yeah, probably not. I, I wouldn't trade Mike Trout for any pitcher. Maybe, probably not Harper either. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I still, I still wouldn't trade like the top four or five hitters for any pitcher. But if you had, if you had Clayton Kershaw on your team, would you trade him for Mike Trapp? Yeah, of course. That'd be a really hard trade to do, I think. I do it because you second. probably built your team a specific way to account for that. That's that's where it gets tricky. You're, but we're splitting hairs at that point. Uh, I, I mean, not for me. I think it's a no-brainer, especially with the back injuries. It's probably yeah makes it easy. Easier. All right, Chris, I'm going to give you a bunch of pitchers and a bunch of hitters who are widely available, and you tell me if they're under-owned. First, we're going to start with this group of pitchers that are owned in 35 to 42% of leagues. They all pitched yesterday, and they all pitched pretty well, uh, except for Yanni Chirinos. Adam Wainwright, Francisco Liriano, Andrew Kashner, and Yanni Chirinos. Do any of those four, Wainwright, Liriano, Kashner, or Chirinos, deserve to be owned in more than 42% of leagues, or let's say more than 50% of leagues? I would say Yanni Torinos, even though he was not good yesterday. I really like his uh, skill set. I really like the way he pitches. Uh, that heavy sinking fastball is a really nice uh, tool. Beyond that, I don't think any of these guys are are underowned. Maybe Jaime Garcia at twenty four percent. Hey, we haven't gotten to them yet. We only. Oh, did sorry, I, I wasn't listening. Wainwright, Liriano, Kashner, and Yanni Chirinos. Uh, yeah, of that group, I would say Yanni Chirinos at thirty-five percent is the only one that I would be looking to add. Francisco Liriano, he's thirty-eight percent. I would assume that's pretty much every league where his RP eligibility matters. And uh, yeah, that sounds about right. I own him in multiple leagues where I can use him as an RP, and 
that's the only place I'm looking to to use him. This next group of pitchers, there are three of them. They are owned in 22 or 24 percent of our leagues. Do they need an ownership boost? Jaime Garcia, Chris, you cheated and you skipped ahead. Chad Bettis and Junior Guerra. Jaime Garcia might be under owned at 24 <laughs> percent. He's the only say. one in this group. Not Junior Guerra. Who had like a two no, I'm just ERA I'm not very interested in him. We've seen him before. I I don't think the skill set is there. Okay, uh, and then this group is owned in 15 percent of leagues or less. Does that need to be higher for Harlan Garcia, who had who tied the major league record for most consecutive no hit innings as a starter, uh, as a starting <laughs> pitcher, uh, to start a career. Does that make sense? His first ten, yeah, no, I got you. Yeah, his first ten innings as a starting pitcher because he's also pitched out of the bullpen. Uh, they were all no hit innings over two starts. So anyway, but he walks a lot of guys. Harlan Garcia, Matt Moore, Trevor Cahill, and Ariel Miranda. Garcia, Moore, Cahill, Miranda. Maybe more. You know, he's thirteen percent owned. I, I guess I could see adding him in a deeper league and hoping that he can build on that off of this. Um, but mm, was I, the, I guess Trevor Cahill's three percent owned. Yeah, yeah, that could go up to eleven. Yeah, was I the only one who thought of Mandy Moore when Chris said maybe more? I was. I guess I was. Yeah, sorry about that. Cahill is interesting. Cahill was really good with the Padres last year, uh, except a lot of walks. But three sixty nine ERA, twenty four walks, seventy two strikeouts, and sixty one and a third, and he was terrible with the Royals. <laughs> but. Uh, like really good in the sense that he should have by he should have been owned in more than three percent of leagues last year. So if he is that good again, and he's pitching and for the A's now, yeah, it's not a bad place to pitch. Uh, Oakland, it's maybe not quite Petco, but it's not far off. It's it's a the kind of place that will suppress homers well enough. And uh, yeah, I, definitely AL only. He should be owned in all leagues. All right, it's Trevor Cahill. Now these hitters, are they under own? Matt Kemp, 52%. You tweeted about Matt Kemp, so this one I feel like you might actually, you might actually feel <laughs> passionately about. Matt Kemp was good last season. Like he only played 115 games. He wasn't actually a good baseball player because his defense and base running are really bad. But in 115 games, he hit 276 with 19 homers, 64 RBI. You just project that out to a full season. You're talking about close to 30 homers, a, a playable batting average, and close to 100 RBI. Now he's hitting in the heart of the Dodgers lineup. Yeah, he's underowned. 52% Matt Kemp. And I wrote about that on yesterday's waiver wire column, so hopefully people are taking notice. Um, I think this is a situation where we get excited about unknowns. We get excited about guys who have, you know, quote unquote breakout potential, and we ignore that Matt Kemp, like, he, he wasn't being drafted, really. Uh, you know. Right. I agree with you. I, I agree. I mean, I don't think he's going to be great, but I definitely think he's going to be... He's going to be playable. Play. There, there's no, no, not really any reason he shouldn't be on a roster when, when someone like Adam Jones is. Right. Um, neither of them are going to... Well, okay, I guess uh, Kemp... Kemp's more valuable in Roto uh, than, he, than he is in... Not comparing him to, to Jones. Kemp's more valuable in, in any league that doesn't um, penalize his what's going to be a very bad walk to strikeout ratio. Um, yeah, although he's not going to keep striking out as often as he is either. No, but he won't. I walk. think he's at like thirty percent. I guess he is similar to Adam Jones. He won't walk. He won't steal. About thirty home yeah. runs. He'll be on that pace. Twenty, twenty-seven, thirty home runs. Uh, would you rather have like like he's owned about the same amount of leagues as Kevin Pillar? 
that's a no-brainer. I guess Pilar, if you need steals, but he's not really going to steal that much unless he's facing yeah, he got, Kansas. How many does he have total? He's got three, and they all came in the same they inning They came in the one inning. Right. They came in one plate appearance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, exactly. And he'll, you know, he'll probably steal 15 bases this season, but I think Kemp's probably going to be the better hitter. Right. All right, then. Um, Steven Piscotti. Steven Piscotti is kind of interesting. Another guy, I'm not sure he's going to be great, but he could really help you. He's got a seven-game hitting streak. Piscotti's 32% owned. He's 11 for 25 in his last seven games, uh, three doubles in his last two games. And just a couple years ago, he was, or was it last year? He was being drafted in, you know, as like a top 120 player probably. Yeah. So, and I think yeah. he still has that potential for sure. The play discipline's pretty good. Uh, I think he's going to be a pretty high batting average guy. Maybe not quite 295, but in the 280 range. Um, I think he's a good hitter. Yeah. I think he's under owned at 32%. Piscotti or Kemp? Uh, I, I just did the we overvalue upside thing and undervalue Kemp as a result, and then I'll do that and I'll take Piscotti. <laughs> uh, and then finally, Ronald Guzman is 8% owned. He is batting 294 with a home run in four games, uh, for the Rangers. Yeah. I don't know. 8% owned Ronald Guzman. Should he be higher than that? Probably not. He he strikes me as an AL only type of guy. Um, you know, I was watching the Rangers broadcast the other day, and I think his debut or maybe his second game, and they were comparing him to uh to James Loney, and Ew. they meant that as a compliment. No, not for us, not for fantasy, not for fantasy. No. <laughs> All right, that's Ronald Guzman, and here are your news and notes. Uh, the scraps here. Evan Longoria sat with an ankle injury. He could miss a few games. Pablo Sandoval filled in. Francisco Lindor homered in his native Puerto Rico, and the crowd went wild. That was awesome. That was a really cool moment. I'm really excited to watch Jose Barrios tonight yes, in Puerto Rico. Yes, a Puerto Rican starting in that game. He could just go crazy. That'd be great, even against the, the Indians. Uh, Washington outfield prospect Victor Robles does not need elbow surgery. He still is facing a long recovery. He might be able to play later this year. Devin Mezzarocco has a bruised wrist. He's not their starter anyway. He's day-to-day. But Tucker Barnhart is 29% owned and is a top-seven catcher right now. So I don't know how long that will last, but Tucker Barnhart could be a little bit of a fill-in for you at catcher. Uh, Ryan Braun and Eric Thames returned. Thames homered. Christian Yelich is likely to start today. Anthony Rizzo returned. Will Myers began a rehab assignment. And Ben Zobris was scratched with back tightness. And Ian Happ replaced him. Clearly Ian Happ wasn't ready to play yesterday. Apparently not. Uh, Zobris is interesting, at least in the short term, if he can just stay healthy. He he is he has been a lot better than Ian Happ. Yeah, yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if he continues to get playing time over Ian Happ until Happ figures it out or uh, or Zobris slows down. I was going to talk about Javier Baez, Jed Lowry, on Herva Salarte, and Lucas Duda, who have been uh, hitting well lately. But we are, I'm gonna skip around here. I wanna talk about pitchers. I do wanna do the dropometer. Alright, here we go. Here's the dropometer, Chris Towers. Okay. Zero to ten. Zero is, you are an idiot, Adam. I heard what you said about Johnny Cueto and you have no credibility anymore. We are not dropping this guy. That's a zero. Okay. Ten is, you are an idiot for even asking, Adam. Of course, he's a drop. So, Andrew McCutcheon, batting 194, zero to ten. Zero. I'm not an idiot, Chris. Screw you. One. Thank you. No, he, he's a zero. He'll get hot. He always, this is what he's done each of the last two years. McCutcheon. Uh, but he's not that good, Chris. Just saying. Okay. Nomar Mazzara, zero to ten. 93% owned. Man, he's so frustrating. 
Like, stop hitting the ball on the ground, dude. He hits the ball hard, and I was looking at it the other day, and he's like 140th in average launch angle in baseball out of 190 qualified hitters. It's just like, hit the ball in the air. You're really big and strong, but he's not doing it. And it's just, I don't think it's, there are not signs right now that the breakout is going to happen. And so I, I'm, I'm not bu- dropping him, but I think he's probably going to have another just okay season. I mean, people, we've been doing this for how many years? I've been doing this podcast for seven or eight years. Chris for three, four. Four. I say dropometer. You, you don't even give me a number. You just give me a, like a, you just give me a number. For God's sakes, just give me the damn number. All right, so one. One. And what movie did I just quote? Chinatown. Those skis yours? Both of them? Really, Chris? Have you even seen Uh, Dumb and Dumber? uh, Casablanca. Dumb and Dumber. You ever seen it? I I, I mean, I've seen it. It's been a while. You don't really know Dumb and Dumber. It's, I mean, I, I know the, the, you know, the glove thing, they got the, the van. Oh my god. There's a, there's a briefcase. This is really bad. And there's, by the way. There's, uh, you know, there, there, there is like a hockey player in it. A hockey player? In Dumb and Dumb? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I don't believe there's a hockey player in it. Uh, by the way, that was Nomar Bazaar we were talking about. Chris isn't ready to drop him, he gave him a one. Cam Neely is in Dumb and Dumber. Who oh, doesn't know the movie now? Is? Who does he play? Seabass. I think you're wrong about that. I think, isn't Roger Clemens in Dumb and Dumber? I don't know. Or maybe that's a different... No, it is. Bruins legend Cam Neely returns as Seabass in sequel Dumb and Dumber 2. Oh, you idiot. 20 years after Neely's cameo as an intimidating diner patron in Dumb and Dumber. Oh, okay. Apparently, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Who doesn't know Dumb and Dumber uh, now? Roger Jerk. Clemens was in uh, Kingpin. He was a Kingpin. My bad. Uh, Domingo Santana on the dropometer. He is 88% owned. Domingo Santana. Who I want to drop you? Four. Four for Santana. All right. Got to be a little concerned. We'll see what happens if Yelich and Braun are both back and healthy now. Uh, Josh Bell on the dropometer. 94% owned. Uh, so I was, he was one of those guys who talked about hitting more balls in the air, uh, because last season he hit the ball pretty hard. He's a big, uh, a big dude, but he had a 51% ground ball rate and now he's got a 56% ground ball rate. So doesn't, not that I'm worried, but he looks like the same guy he was last year. And that guy is a, you know, a corner infielder at best. Uh, so three. For Josh Bell, who was the number 15 first baseman in points, number 17 in Roto last year. Uh, Michael Franco, 71% owned. Seven. Yasiel Puig, 96% owned. Zero. Scooter Jeanette, 88% owned. One. Okay, so the only one you're really looking to drop is Franco. And that, that look, I own Franco. I owned Franco in two leagues last week. One was a 12-team points league, 23-man rosters. I dropped him. One is and you a, probably picked him up, right? You probably didn't draft him. I think I picked him up, yeah. One is a twenty one is a twelve team thirty man roster league, so much deeper. I keep hitting him and I'm actually starting him as my utility, which isn't great, but it's not terrible. So Franco is really, you know, league size kinda size matters. Uh Chris, before we get into today's matchups, do you have anything wise to say about Lance McCullers, Alex Wood, 
David Price, Danny Duffy, or Gio Gonzalez, who all pitched pretty well yesterday. McCullers, uh, Lynn, sorry, uh, let's read the names again. Sorry, McCullers, shut up, Chris. McCullers, Wood, Price, Duffy, and Gio. Uh, Alex Wood may, may be my version of Johnny Cueto, uh, because I've been very skeptical, and he's continued to be awesome. I mean, he had the the one bad start where he was what sick, right? He had food poisoning a few days earlier. Yeah, and um, got crushed. So. I st- I'm still skeptical, but I'm also open to the possibility that he's going to make me look like an idiot all season. And Danny Duffy has been better than I think we expected. I'll tell you what. I, I was very encouraged by Duffy two starts ago. I watched mm-hmm. the game. I didn't get to see any yesterday, but his changeup was really good. He had a bad first inning, and he settled in. He had a, a really good changeup that game. It looked like he had much better stuff. And he it continued was. here. Uh, six scoreless innings, three walks, unfortunately, and eight strikeouts at Toronto. That first inning was like it was one. Of, it was so bad that it was like, oh my god, are we watching the end of Danny Duffy's career? <laughs> That's how bad that first inning was. It was like it was sad to watch. He couldn't find the strike zone at all. I think he threw eleven straight balls to open the game. Um, he seems okay. You know, not an ace, but he, he seems like he's, he's found something. I think the velocity's ticked back up over the last couple of starts. Duffy, we're talking here. How would you rank these five? McCullers, Wood, Price, Duffy, Geo. McCullers, Wood, Price, Geo, Duffy. Okay. Geo Gonzalez has some incredible numbers at City Field. They are so incredible that I'm actually going to take the time to look them up. And as I do that, I will talk about the fringy starting pitchers. 80% owned Nick Pavetta. 80% owned Tyler Chatwood. 80% owned Mike Fultonevich. 66% owned Trevor Williams. 55% owned Zach Wheeler. Pavetta, Chatwood, Fulte, Trevor Williams, and Zach Wheeler. Who are your three favorites in that group? Disappointing. Disappointing to only see two strikeouts from Nick Pavetta. Um... But I still think he's the most talented of this group. Tyler Chatwood, um, I'll just recycle a joke I, I made on Twitter last night. I guess Coors Field wasn't the reason that he could never throw strikes. Um, <laughs> but he's striking he's, guys out, which is interesting. Yeah, but 14 walks and 15 and two-thirds innings, I just... That's bad. I just don't think he's very good. Uh, you know, the, the road ERA was always good when he was with the Rockies, but the peripherals were never all that impressive either way. Um... I just don't think there's much upside there. So I, I would rank them Pavetta, honestly, probably Wheeler and then Fulte. Yeah, I was a little disappointed with Wheeler. Six innings, yeah. three runs against the Nationals is not a big deal. Three walks in six innings. I mean, if he did that every start, it'd be a big deal. But it's not like, oh, my gosh, you can't throw strikes anymore. Yeah. But two strikeouts, that was that was disappointing. But you know what? Like, I want to see one more. I'm not ready to drop Zach Wheeler because I think there's a path for him to get into that rotation and maybe be a quasi breakout because his control has been better so far in the minor in I think one minor league and two major league starts it's been better it's a very small sample but there's enough talent there with Zach Wheeler. Um Gio Gonzalez is 11 and 1 with a 178 ERA at City Field. <laughs> that's incredible. That's that's pretty good. Did all of them come last season? <laughs> That's the thing. Like that, that that encompasses some of his down years, or like I guess two kind of down years for him. Yeah. 
Let's take a look at today's starters, Chris Towers, and see who we're going with. Kyle Freeland is at Chad Cool. Cool. Uh, I'll, I'll not start either one. Kevin Gossman is at Matt Boyd. Uh, I'll probably just watch this game. Uh, I'd prefer not to start either of them. But Matthew Boyd's been pitching well enough. Starting, I am starting Gosman. You're not starting Gosman? His velocity, I think, is down more than anyone in baseball. Um, from last April. And he, I don't know. I, I just, I don't, I'm, I'm much less interested in Kevin Gosman based on what he's done so far this season. And I know it's a small sample size, but it's not like we have a ton of track record of him succeeding either. All right, I'm figuring it's going to be cold weather against the bad team. Yeah. Might not have Miguel Cabrera. So, um, all right. Uh, Cole Hamels at Jake Faria. This is a pretty interesting one. Got to watch this game. Uh, I'll start Hamels in this one. But not Faria? Not Faria. Okay. Uh, Tyler Malley at Zach Davies. I would probably prefer not to start either of those guys, but Zach Davies against the Reds isn't the worst uh, fill-in option in the world. Luke Weaver at John Lester. Start both. Carson Fulmer at Andrew Triggs, White Sox at A's. Don't start. Uh, you could start Triggs in a deeper league. I mean, it's not Triggsonometry here. Boo! <laughs> Ian Kennedy at J Hap. I will start both. 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 All right, a bit of a homer dome for Ian Kennedy, but all right, all right. Uh, Carlos Carrasco and Jose Barrios are starting both. Tanner Roark and Steven Matz. I, I know Matz had a really, what did he have? Eight strikeouts last time he faced the Nationals? He had 30 called strikes in that game. Yeah, he had two swinging strikes in that one. I, I'm nervous. I, I sat I would, him weekly, so I'd sit him daily. I would like to sell Steven Matz before his ERA gets over four. Vince Velasquez at Brandon McCarthy. I will start both. Wow. Interesting. The Braves are one of the best lineups in baseball thus far. They've scored the fifth most runs per game. Okay. That that sounds like it could be true. And Vince Velasquez has started three games this year. Yeah. Uh, He was terrible against the Braves. He was good against the Marlins and good, not good, great against the Marlins and great at the Rays, two of the worst teams in baseball. So it's you can't tell me it's not risky. The guy had a 5.13 ERA last year. I will just say this. Velasquez has looked better. Uh, last year he had the, like, finger ligament injury. And by the end of the season, I will say that the Braves will be closer to the Marlins and Rays than they are to the top of the major leagues in runs scored. Okay, but, I mean, they are hitting well now. Uh, Giants at Diamondbacks, Chris Stratton at Robbie Ray. Uh, start Robbie Ray, but if he doesn't pitch well, then it's time to... Time to worry just a little bit. We'll see if you, we can uh, fire up the old the worryometer or the panicometer tomorrow. Well, I'll let you choose which one you want to go with if he struggles. Uh, it's going to be Thursday, so it's going to be thoriometer Thursday. Rick Porcello at what? Well, it's usually worryometer Wednesday, but when we save it for Thursday, we go oh, thoriometer Thursday. That's bad. Are you going to Rick Porcello tonight? No. At the Angels, no. All right. Well, I'm gonna Tyler Skaggs. Actually, I'm not gonna Tyler Skaggs. Yeah, I don't. I, I I don't think I'd touch either side of this one. Really? Yeah. All right. This is a big start. Porcello really might be back. We'll see. Uh, Kenta Maeda and Luis Perdomo. I will definitely start Maeda. Garrett Cole at Mike Leake. Mike Leake very good at safe go. 
I, you know, I, I think I can bring myself to finally buy into Garrett Cole. I think, I think I might start him. Yeah, I know, but what about Mike Leake, you jerk? Uh, no, not against the Astros. Although the Astros are striking out more than they did last season, which I've pointed out a few times. They're not scoring quite as much no, as they did last season. So, not. you know, may not be an automatic avoid, but with a guy like Mike Leake, who's pretty fringy, um, I, I think you could probably avoid him. Cam Neely. Good for you, Chris Towers. That is Chris. I am Adam. We are Kratom, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. More band members from Non-Zero Chance.